please join me in a spirit of prayer. Before all that is holy, we gather to give thanks for gifts of intellect and imagination, passion and spirit, so beautifully manifested in the young women and men who stand before us, the beloved class of 2015. We gather to send them forth from these pews as we have with so many generations into lives, we pray, of service, generosity, compassionate citizenship, and great joy. Whatever becomes or befalls them, may they be animated by hope, directed by integrity, corrected by mercy, and illumined by love. May every blessing be theirs and every struggle they face be vanquished. May peace be within them all, among us present, and around all our beautiful and challenged globe. Amen. Please be seated. Good afternoon. Welcome to the baccalaureate service, one of Princeton's oldest and grandest traditions. Originally called a sermon, the baccalaureate service is intended to provide moments of reflection for members of Princeton's graduating senior class in between the revelry of reunions, <laughs> in which I know you all participated, and the celebrations of class day and commencement. It is possible to innovate even in the grandest of traditions. So I want to give you full presidential dispensation backed by the authority of the Board of Trustees to remove your mortar boards if that will make you more comfortable. It is possible to be spiritually enlightened without enduring heat and hardship. In the first recorded baccalaureate address in 1760, President Samuel Davies exhorted the 11 members of the graduating class to serve their generation, all 11 of them. Live not for yourself, but the public, he told them. In 18th century syntax, that now seems badly dated, he expressed sentiments that remain strikingly relevant. Esteem yourselves by so much the more happy, honorable, and important by how much the more useful you are. We might say today, measure your worth by the good that you do. President Davies' words reflect the spirit that has sustained Princeton over the 255 years since he uttered them in the prayer hall of Nassau Hall. All Princetonians take great pride in our shared mission to be in the nation's service and in the service of all nations. It is a mission you upheld as students by participating in civic engagement initiatives, by raising your voices in support of justice and equality, 
by conducting research on pressing issues ranging from environmental sustainability to economic development to health care, and by strengthening your ability to think critically and globally. And it is a mission that I hope you all will uphold as you make the transition from students to alumni. At the foundation of the Princeton community are the desire and the responsibility to serve society and to leave this world a better place than you found it. As you now enter your next stage of life as a Princetonian, I know that you have left our campus better than when you arrived four years ago and that you are poised to have the same impact on the world around us. And for that, you have my deepest respect and thanks. A reading from the Bhagavad Gita, Chapter 2, Shlokas 47 and 48. Om Karmanyevadhikaraste Maphaleshu Kadachana Ma Karma Palahetur Bhur Mate Sangostva Karmani Yogastaha Kuru Karmani Sangam Tyaktvadhananjaya Siddhya Siddhyo Samobhutva Samatvam Yoga Uchyate We have the right to perform actions, but we are not entitled to the fruits or results of those actions. Do not let the fruit be the purpose of your actions. Instead, let us work for the most unselfish of purposes. Do good unto the world. Never become attached to ignoring one's responsibilities or dharma. Therefore, O Arjuna, perform your activities giving up attachment to either success or to failure. Follow only your obligation for action to combat injustice or adharma, not the prospects of material success or gain. This science of equanimity unites the individual consciousness with the ultimate. Here ends the reading. Namaste. I will be reciting uh, chapter 93 of the Holy Quran, Surah Al-Duha, in Arabic, and then I'll read a approximate translation in English. A'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajeem. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Wal-duha wal-layli idha sajah. 
ما ودعك ربك وما قال ولا الاخره خير لك من الاولى وَلَسَوْفَ يُعْطِيكَ رَبُّكَ فَتَرْضَى أَلَمْ يَجِدْكَ يَتِيمًا فَآوَى ووجدك ضالا فهدى ووجدك عائلا فأغنى أَلَمْ يَجِدْكَ يَتِيمًا فَآوَى وَوَجَدَكَ ضَالًّا فَهَدَى وَوَجَدَكَ عَائِلًا فَأَغْنَى فَأَمَّا الْيَتِيمَ فَلَا تَقْهَرْ وَأَمَّا السَّائِلَ فَلَا تَنْهَرْ وَأَمَّا بِنِعْمَةِ رَبِّكَ فَحَدِّثْ the translation reads as follows. I seek God's protection from Satan, the accursed. In the name of God, the benevolent, the merciful. By the morning, bright, and the night when it is calm. Your Lord has not left you and is not angry. The hereafter will be better for you than what was before. Your Lord will surely give to you, and you will be content. Did God not find you orphaned and give shelter? And God found you wandering and gave guidance. And God found you in need and gave sufficiency. So do not oppress the orphan and do not rebuff the seeker and tell of the kindness of your Lord. God the Great has spoken the truth. Please join me in a responsive reading of Psalm 19 to Hilim Yutet Lamnatseach Mizmorle David. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows forth God's handiwork. Although they have no words or language, and their voices are not heard. In the deep has God set a pavilion for the sun. It comes forth like a bridegroom out of his chamber. It rejoices like a champion to run its course. 
The law of the Lord is perfect and revives the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure and gives wisdom to the innocent. The fear of the Lord is clean and endures forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. A reading from the New Testament from the book of James, chapter one, verses 22 through 27. But be doers of the word, and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror. For they look at themselves, and on going away immediately forget what they were like. But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act will be blessed in their doing. If any think they are religious and do not bridle their tongues, but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled by God, the creator is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the word. Here ends the reading.
Nearly 30 years ago, our keynote speaker, Lisa Jackson, of Princeton's great graduate class of 1986, left Princeton on a quest to utilize her scientific knowledge and fulfill her personal passions in fighting for environmental protection and justice. She has had an extraordinary impact in these pursuits, embodying our university's fundamental commitment to the service of this nation and to all humanity. Lisa once considered a career in medicine, but after developing an interest in the study of chemical engineering, she imagined a new path to service. I came to realize, she once said, that if I studied chemical engineering and started to work to protect our environment, I could help people by making sure that they didn't get sick in the first place. With a bachelor's degree in chemical engineering from Tulane University in her hometown of New Orleans, Lisa came to Princeton to continue her studies. She arrived in the fall of 1983, having never before set foot on our campus. In her new surroundings at Princeton, she found intellectual challenges and a sense of community, and in her words, set the trajectory for my entire life. Lisa joined the United States Environmental Protection Agency in 1987 as a scientist and rose through its ranks, developing expertise in toxic and hazardous waste cleanup programs. She joined the New Jersey Department of Environmental Protection in 2002 as assistant commissioner and was named commissioner four years later, leading initiatives to regulate pollution in poor urban communities and to reduce carbon emissions. She then served as Chief of Staff to Governor John Corzine before Washington again came calling. Recognizing Lisa's skills as a scientist, leader, and consensus builder, President Barack Obama nominated her to return to the EPA as its 12th administrator and to become the first African American to serve in this critical role. For four years, Lisa ably led the EPA's efforts to confront great challenges to the future of our Earth, implementing regulations on greenhouse gases to combat climate change, putting in place national standards for mercury pollution, establishing important fuel economy standards, protecting water quality, and raising awareness about environmental issues in communities around the country. President Obama lauded Lisa for her unwavering commitment to the health of our families and our children and her tireless efforts to benefit the American people. After leaving the EPA, Lisa was named Vice President of Environmental Initiatives at Apple. She now oversees the global company's efforts to minimize its impact on the environment and, as she says, to show that what's good for the planet can also be good for business. Lisa's commitment to service also has extended to her graduate alma mater. She is a member of Princeton's Board of Trustees and the Association of Black Princeton Alumni. And she is a participant in the Connect Black Alumni Leadership Initiative. Lisa was a featured speaker at She Roars, a 2011 conference celebrating the history of women at Princeton and she has been an outspoken advocate 
for the need to engage more women in the pursuit of scientific study and careers. In 2012, she was awarded the James Madison Medal, the highest honor that this university confers upon our graduate alumni. And now she is here today, back in the space where she once sang with the chapel choir, to offer you some words of encouragement and inspiration as you set out upon your own journeys after Princeton. Please welcome an outstanding scientist, a dedicated public servant, a respected leader, and a devoted Princetonian, our baccalaureate speaker, Lisa Jackson. Thanks for giving me cover coming up those stairs because I was kind of afraid. It's cool up here though, it's actually warm, but hi. All right, thank you President Eisgruber. It's really amazing and wonderful to be here and I want to thank you for that wonderful introduction and for your leadership. A huge congratulations because I think you're continuing a commitment to openness and community here at Princeton and um, a huge thank you for leading our institution at such an important time in her history. I also want to thank the faculty and a lot of the staff who are here today. Um, we all know on the Board of Trustees who really runs the place, so I'm thanking you up front. Um, a special shout out to my fellow Board of Trustees members. They're behind me, so I can't turn around and say uh, hi to them, but I want to say a special thank you to our board chair, Katie Hall. Um, it was Katie, my friend, who convinced me that I was the right person um, and that this was the right time to serve on such an esteemed board, and I learned so much from my fellow trustees every day. Huge shout out to the family and friends sitting outside. Word to the wise, if I were you, I'd run over to Hoagie Haven. Um, if you're going to do that, bring some back. For me personally, nothing says loving like a number seven with some oil, salt, pepper, spice on it. <laughs> and finally, a huge congratulations, students. Class of 2015, you're almost there. Looking good. I'm very happy for you. I'm going to keep my remarks brief because I suspect many of you are exhausted. You are um, making me tired just looking at you. <laughs> You're taking work hard, play hard to the next level. Congratulations. Still, I would rather be speaking to an exhausted tiger than a student at just about any other school I can think of. So congratulations. Now, having you fall asleep, falling asleep is really not my worry. My worry was knowing that I'm really just a warm-up act for Christopher Nolan. Thanks for that. <laughs> Christopher Nolan, all right, fine. I do feel a bit of kinship with him, though. I mean, Christopher Nolan makes dark movies. 
about heroes who work in a dysfunctional city. He's surrounded by bizarre, twisted adversaries who aren't quite what they seem. I can, I can get with that, you know. <laughs> the last 10 years, I spent most of my time in Trenton and Washington, D.C. <laughs> now, Mr. Nolan's other movies and some of my favorites are wildly inventive. They're non-linear portraits of new worlds, and oftentimes those worlds are enabled by new technologies and scientific innovation. And I can get with that too, because now, as you heard, I work at Apple. <laughs> so it's truly an honor to speak with you this year, but it is actually also a challenge. I was trying to think about what to talk to you about today, and number one, I just wanted to keep it real. Maybe not quite so real as Robert De Niro, who, as you might have heard earlier this month, told graduates at NYU, you're um, doomed. He said doomed, <laughs> except in, uh, nah, you thought I would say it, but I wasn't going to say it. Less polite language. And um, I just caught up on my Game of Thrones binge watching, so I thought about that. And um, I thought about Egret, in honor of Egret, I was going to name my talk, You Know Nothing, Jon Snow. I just wanted to say that in here. It sounds good in here. I have nothing to go with it, though, so just, just threw it out there. I didn't want to tell you to follow your dreams or chase your passion. That's actually really important stuff. You're going to hear about it. But I didn't think it lived up to these challenging times. And actually, make no mistake, these are challenging times. The past year, in particular, has been turbulent for many in our country. And Princeton has not been immune to that turbulence. So actually, I decided that's what I want to talk to you about today, is actually your Princeton experience. For one reason, because Christopher Nolan went to University College of London, so you're not going to hear about Princeton from him, I'm just saying. But mostly it's because the Princeton class of 2015 has had a unique and not always easy experience here. And I'm betting that it has changed you in ways you don't yet understand. You've had discussions, you've had social media, you've had publicity, you've had protests, all about justice and equality and rights and our community. Those have all been a part of your four-year journey. But whether you marched in a protest or whether you didn't, whether those issues touched you personally or whether they bounced off of you peripherally, they were here while you were here. And honestly, I'm really glad that they were. You should be too. I'm not saying you should be glad that difficult and regrettable things happened during your time here. But you should be grateful that they did not go unnoticed that you weren't insulated from those things, that you had the discussions and the debates and the confrontations that you had. Because you came here for an education, and as the years go by, you're going to realize that you absolutely got one. Maybe no education as important as learning that being part of a diverse community takes work, and it takes practice, and give and take on both sides and compassion for each other above all. See, I think it can take a while to truly appreciate your Princeton experience, to appreciate what Princeton not only gives us, but expects from each one of us, 
to understand that you really are learning. Of course, you're learning in the classrooms, but you're learning in the dorm rooms, in your clubs, at your activities, all the moments in between, the things you've been through together. And of course, you went through them together. They may take time to sink in, but they help forge your identity as a person and as a class. That's been my Princeton experience. You heard a little of it. I grew up in New Orleans. I graduated first in my high school. I know you're not impressed. <laughs> Summa cum laude in chemical engineering from Tulane. Probably not that impressed. But I wanted to get a PhD in engineering, and my professors recommended I apply to the very best schools. I had the grades and the scores for it. So of course, Princeton was on the list. I got accepted, and even back in 19, 83, Princeton's financial aid package was really generous. Princeton was basically offering me a world-class education for free. So if I was smart enough to get summa cum laude in chemical engineering, I figured I'm smart enough to not turn that down. So to Princeton I came. As you heard from Chris, I didn't set foot on this campus until the day I arrived at the graduate college. Oh, no, graduate college, way on the hill, way off campus. Just keep walking past the golf course. Anyway, there I was, 21 years old. I had never lived away from home. And remember, I was a city girl. Back in 1983, Princeton was this little sleepy town in a very rural part of the state. I still remember the controversy over whether or not to allow Burger King to open on Nassau Street. True story. Needless to say, coming to Princeton was a shift for me, but I knew I was fortunate and I couldn't get over how beautiful the campus was. I honestly still can't. I found the engineering building and I started my Princeton journey. I joined Chapel Choir because I love music. And I had a running crew. I had the coolest running crew, because I'm sure the chemical engineering students are still the coolest ones on campus. All right, I can't, I can't throw it out there any easier. Chemical engineering, you got it. But mostly, I studied harder than I ever had. I went to class every day, of course, and when I wasn't in class, I was in the lab. And truthfully, academics did not come easy here at all. Actually, that's probably a bit of an understatement. On the good days, it was harder than anything I'd ever done before. And that threw me. I had never struggled with the academic part of being a student. I'd never gotten anything less than excellent grades. As the pride and joy of my family, my professors at Tulane, my church, even the kids at my high school would talk about the fact that I was at Princeton. And it didn't really help that once I got here, I realized I wasn't cut out for engineering research. I actually think today I would love engineering research, but at age 21, I was far too interested in what was going on in the world as a whole to concentrate on diffusion equations and capillary interactions. So despite my professors and my wonderful advisors, I started to wonder if I was really getting the Princeton experience. If it was changing me in the same way that I had heard it changed so many others. I didn't have the undergraduate community to rely on the way you guys 
rely on each other. And there were far fewer kids of color or other students who had shared any of my experiences. Now, I want to be really clear. No one told me I didn't belong here, at least not that I can remember. And I certainly wasn't miserable. But I did feel a part, like this was someone else's university and I was just being allowed to attend. So then I just remember thinking, forget about all this Princeton experience stuff. I just have to concentrate on these books. I got to get through this. I'm going to put my head down and get through it. Imagine that. Get through Princeton, like getting through the classes and the day-to-day -day is what this place is all about. Now, it got easier. My friends bucked me up. And I really think for me, the turning point came when they helped me realize that not getting a PhD in engineering wasn't a failure. It was just a change in course. And I think that's my first lesson for you today. Because you all achieve so much, it's really important to know the difference and to give yourself permission to change course, to pursue what's right for you. Because that's what I did. I got my master's degree, and I headed out to start my career. So remember, my, my theorem here is that it can take a while to appreciate your Princeton experience and see how it comes together in your own life. There were things I learned in seminars. For example, it was at Princeton that I first learned about the people of Woburn, Massachusetts, and the work on groundwater pollution and groundwater modeling that helped them fight the company, W.R. Grace, who had polluted their aquifers. It was groundbreaking science in the service of public health. Later on, there was a book and a movie written about it called A Civil Action. We also talked about chemicals and how little we know about the risks that they pose to us through their ubiquity in everyday life. One of my professors and his graduate students was studying that, and I thought it was really interesting. Is it any wonder then that toxic waste and toxic waste sites and then toxic chemicals and the regulation of them became two of my priorities years later when I ran the Environmental Protection Agency? I don't think it's a wonder. I think it was Princeton. There were also experiences outside of the campus gates that taught me. Like the time my friend and I got stopped by the police in a parking lot just up Route 206. Yes, we were both black. Actually, we still are both black. <laughs> and the Princeton IDs that we carried, I'm sure, are the difference between us coming back to campus and going to jail that night. We hadn't done anything. I remember in 1983 how hard it was, almost impossible, for a student of color to be able to rent an apartment in the township. Most of us lived on campus. The university understood the challenges and helped us. I became immensely interested in issues of justice, and that carried over into my work. It is no wonder to me that issues of justice and pollution in poor communities are a passion of mine to this very day. So I know that Princeton is a part of who I am. Even though I left here 30 years ago wondering whether I really got Princeton, I shouldn't have wondered. Princeton has clearly shaped me. And that's where I come back to each and every one of you, to your class, to your triumphs, and to your challenges. Your class has seen controversy. 
whether it was the reaction to the die-in on campus or issues of equality of the sexes or income inequality. It seems you have had a front row seat to issues that are hot button for our country. In an ideal world, these experiences would have pulled you together and allowed you to leave with deeper knowledge of each other and a powerful feeling of common purpose and passion. But I'm guessing it's more likely that many of you are still processing all of that you've seen and experienced. Maybe some of you are realizing that the Princeton experience is more heterogeneous than you realized. That's so good, because it really is. Because the Fuhrer hasn't died down, and the world you're about to enter does not show many signs of being better equipped to deal with issues of injustice and inequality than when you entered here four years ago. But you are more capable, whether you realize it or not. Just like I was. Continually reflect on your Princeton education and you will find the unexpected tools it has given you for navigating and improving this complex world of ours. Yes, you are more capable than you realize and with compassion and introspection, you will be ready to change the world. One last thing. In 2011, I found myself speaking at She Roars. It was, as, Princeton Icegru as President Eisgruber said, a remarkable first-time gathering of Princeton women. I remember looking out at the accomplished alumna in the audience and hearing their stories of service and commitment to paving the way for other young women, and being so inspired by our first female president, Shirley Tillman. But mostly I remember realizing then what really sets us apart as Princetonians. It is our ability to question and change and demand the very best from our great institution. This place has changed dramatically in the last 30 years. And it was Princetonians who insisted on those changes. Princeton keeps shaping you and will long after you walk through the Fitzrandolph Gate on Tuesday. But as graduates, we get to keep shaping Princeton as well. The Fitzrandolph Gate is the metaphorical entry point for what it means to be a Princetonian out in the world. Never forget that you are now the gatekeepers, the determiners of Princeton in the world. And the support you have here is just beginning. It's okay to leave this week. In fact, I think they're going to kick you out. <laughs> but come back. Keep the gate open. Ask those tough questions about who we were and who we are and who we should be. Just never stop using that pronoun, we. Because one thing is so clear to me now 30 years later. If Princetonians are asking the tough questions and Princetonians are answering the tough questions, they will be really good questions, but they will be damn good answers. Congratulations, my soon-to-be fellow Princeton graduates. I look forward to seeing what you do next. Thank you.
Please rise. I invite you to join in a responsive reading of the prayers of the people. Blessed are you, O God, creator of life. You give us purpose and hope. Blessed are you, eternal truth. You give us minds to know you in the things that you have made. Blessed are you, source of all mercy. You know our weakness and are always ready to forgive. Blessed are you, lover of souls. You bind in one community the living and the dead. Blessed are you, wellspring of all wisdom. Let us say together the prayer for Princeton. O eternal God, the source of life and light for all peoples, we pray you would endow this university with your grace and wisdom. Give inspiration and understanding to those who teach and to those who learn. Grant vision to its trustees and administrators, to all who work here and to all who bear her name. Give your guiding spirit of sacrificial courage and loving service. Amen. This is a blessing from the Dhammapada of the Buddhist tradition. We are preceded by the heart, ruled by the heart, made by the heart. If you speak or act with a confused or misguided mind, then suffering will follow you like the wheels of a cart follow the ox that pulls it. We are preceded by the heart, ruled by the heart, made by the heart. If you speak or act with an attentive or untangled heart, then happiness will follow you like your shadow that never leaves. They insulted me, hit me, beat me, robbed me. The hatred of those who harbor such thoughts cannot be appeased. They insulted me, hit me, beat me, robbed me. The hatred of those who do not harbor such thoughts can be appeased. Hatreds never cease through hatred in this world. Through love alone, they cease. A blessing from the secular humanist tradition, Itaka, Konstantin uh, Kavafi. As you set out for Itaka, hope the voyage is a long one, full of adventure, full of discovery. Lestrigonians and Cyclopes, angry Poseidon, don't be afraid of them. You'll never find things like that on your way, as long as you keep your thoughts raised high, as long as a rare excitement stirs your spirit and your body. Lestrigonians and Cyclopes, wild Poseidon, you won't encounter them unless you bring them along inside your soul, unless your soul sets them up in front of you. Hope the voyage is a long one. 
May there be many a summer morning when, with what pleasure, what joy, you come into harbor scenes for the first time. May you stop at Phoenician trading stations to buy fine things, mother of pearl and coral, amber and ebony, sensual perfume of every kind, as many sensual perfumes as you can. And may you visit many Egyptian cities to gather stores of knowledge from their scholars. Keep Ithaca always in your mind. Arriving there is what you are destined for. But do not hurry the journey at all. Better if it lasts for years, so you are old by the time you reach the island, wealthy with all you have gained on the way, not expecting Ithaca to make you rich. Ithaca gave you a marvelous journey. Without her, you would not have set out. She has nothing left to give you now. And if you find her poor, Ithaca won't have fooled you. Wise as you will have become, so full of experience, you will have understood by then what these Ithakas mean. my pleasure to share a blessing from the Sikh tradition. Kur Raja, Kur Parja, Kur Sab Sansar, Kur Mandap, Kur Mari, Kur Baisanhar, Kur Soina, Kur Rupa, Kur Pananhar, Kur Kaya, Kur Kapad, Kur Rupa Apar, Satchata Parjaniye, Jarde Satcha Hoye, कूड़ की मल उतरे तन करे हच्छा तोए सचता पर जानिए जा सिख सच्ची ले दया जाने जी की किछ पुन दान करे False are the kings and false are the subjects. False is the world that surrounds us. False are the mansions and false are the riches. False are those who accrue them. False is gold and false is silver. False is it to seek value in them. False is the body and false is the mind. False are all beautiful forms. One can only know truth when one realizes the truth vested within oneself. The filth of falsehood and transience departs and the body is washed clean. One can only know truth when one seeks to take it and learn by showing mercy unto all beings and giving unto the world.
receive now this benediction. My young friends, go forth into the world as courageous leaders, guiding with intelligence and kindness, as inspired thinkers, creatively seeking positive change, as committed citizens and advocates for the greatest good, ready to work for justice, and as engaged local and global members of the world in the nation's service and in the service of all nations, ready to share your gifts with all. Amen.